the book of Ruth, chapter number 1. Most of us are very familiar with the book of Ruth, with the story of Ruth this morning. I want to look at a, a different character in this particular account of this family, of this very important family, and how it could have been a lot different. Everything could have changed. They wouldn't have found themselves in the same spot as we often find ourselves. So many times today, Will, you take a kid on a road trip to Tennessee, and you get to Gasden, Alabama, and you just have to stop for a, a gas break. And you go in the gas station, use the restroom, and the kid comes out and says, Daddy, I want some candy. They always do that, right? I want some candy. I want a Reese's Cup. I want this. I want that. I want the other. So you send them up to the counter and say, all right, you pick you out some candy. I'm going to go get Mama a water, and when I come back, we're going to check out and get back on the road. We're in a hurry. The kid walks up to the counter, and the kid begins to, st- to stare at all the candy. Lots of options these days. And the kid wants M&M's. And the kid wants Skittles. And the kid wants M&M's. And the kid wants Skittles. And it is extremely accurate depiction of the world that we're in today. Because the world don't know, people don't know, if they want M&M's or Skittles. So this morning, I brought M&M's and Skittles. I brought both of them. I have Skittles in one. I have M&M's in the other. And you're going to sit there and you're going to stare at the counter and you don't know which one you want. M&M's or Skittles. One or the other. You want the chocolatey sweet or you want the soury sweet? You want the one who melts in your mouth or you want the one that you have to chew up and kind of makes you sweat sugars you up so much? Which one is it you want? Well, if nobody's going to make a decision... We're going to put them together. We're going to shake them up really, really good. How about it now? You're going to stick your hand in here and throw a mouthful, throw, throw a handful in your mouth. Why? Why? Nobody told me you wanted M&M's. I'd give you the whole cup of M&M's. I would have. All you had to do was tell me you wanted M&M's. All you had to do was say that you wanted Skittles and I'd give you a whole thing of Skittles, but because nobody answered me, because we're Baptists and we don't talk in church, because nobody answered me, I mixed them up, and now, now you don't want to throw a whole handful in your mouth. Have you ever tried a handful of Skittles and M&M's mix? It ain't no good. It ain't no good at all. And and Ruth's sister-in-law found herself in this same exact situation. She found herself in, 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 a, in, a, in a crossroads, in a place of decision, in a place where she had to make a decision. She had to make a choice to, to stay with Naomi or to go back to Moab. And she said, I can't. I know I should. I know I need to. I know I ought to. I know I want to, but I just can't decide. Whenever we can't decide, the decision is made for us. If your kid don't know which one they're going to get, what do you do? You say, well, you're going to eat this one. And you pick it up, you put it on the counter, and you go. Because we're not going to leave our kids without a piece of candy. We're just not going to do that. You make the decision for them. And in this world, 
Whenever we find ourselves at a crossroads and we refuse to make a decision and we can't make a decision and we don't want to make a decision and we know that we should, we know that we need to, we know that we ought to, we know that we want to, we just can't decide between Skittles and M&M's. The decision will be made for us and we'll be left with a box of near about inedible candy. Whenever we do not make a decision, that is making a decision. That is making the wrong decision. Indecision. Is in its own is in essence a wrong decision. The book of Ruth, chapter one, verse number one. And it came to pass that in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, and he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi, and his two sons, Malon and Shelon, the Euphrates and Bethlehem, Judah. And they came to the country of Moab and continued there. And Imelech and Naomi's husband died. And she was left with only her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab and came. And the name of one was Orpah. And the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Chilon died. Also both of them, the woman was left with her two sons and her husband. And then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return to the country of Moab. For she had heard that in the country of Moab... The Lord had visited His people, giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go ye return each into her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. And the Lord grant you that you may find rest each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. So you find two young women here and we don't necessarily know how old they are, but we find two young women whose daddy-in-law and their their two husbands have died. And what you were supposed to do, the the custom of the time, the custom of the day, was that if you lost your husband and you had no other family, that, that you were supposed to go back to your mother's house. And so Naomi told him, she said, you both need to go back to the land of Moab. Now I want to make a very clear distinction before we continue that in the middle of this crossroads where both of these ladies found themselves, their decision was to go to Moab, to go back to their old friends, to go back to their old gods. People in the land of Moab did not serve God. The people in the land of Moab served a God they called Chemash. And Chemash was a, a cruel God. In that, that, that there was included sacrifices that weren't of animals. There was included people scraping and scratching and hurting themselves to honor and to worship this God. And then in the other direction, you had Bethlehem, Judah. And you had Naomi who served the God. The God of Israel. So whenever these two ladies found themselves and, and Naomi told them, their mother-in-law told them, go back, go back to your old friends, go back to your old ways, go back to your old gods. And they lifted up their voice and wept. I believe that God may put this story in here about two women because had it been two men, they'd have shook hands, waved, and left. But these two women, they love their mother-in-law. And they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely, verse 10, we will return with thee unto thy people. They said, We will go with you. We will, we, we will follow you. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. We will not return to where we were. 
But in the valley of decision, in the, in the place of crossroads, we will follow you. And Naomi said, turn again. My daughters, why will you go with me? Are there any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, verse 12, my daughters, and go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. And if I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight and bear also sons, would you tarry with them until they were grown? Would you stay for them to having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. Oprah was standing there in that crossroads and she said, I know I need to. I know I should. I know I ought to. I know I want to. I know that this is the place I need to go. I know that I should stay with with Naomi. I know that I should serve God. I I know what I should do. And she kissed her mother-in-law and waved goodbye. And I heard a guy say one time, he was reading on this particular scripture, and he said that she waved her way right out of the Bible. You don't ever hear this lady ever again. You know, the thing about serving God is that whenever we sing that song, I have decided to follow Jesus, whenever we really truly decide to follow Jesus, we don't know what's coming next. We don't know what's up. We don't know what's going to be here tomorrow. We don't know what we're going to face next week. We don't know where our journey is taking us. We don't know where God is leading us. But the decision that Ruth made that Oprah just could not was I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow God. Verse number 16 Ruth said that thy God shall be my God. Orpah found herself in the place of decision, in the place of the crossroads, in a place that that she had to choose between the hard way and the right way, or the easy way and the wrong way. And she chose. She chose to stand there. A lot of times it's it's been done. I've seen videos and, and even studies done with animals. Whenever they have two owners. Whenever a dog has uh, two people that own them. And you stand one on one side and one on the other side and you put the dog in the middle and they both begin to call the dog. About two-thirds of the time, the dog will sit there and not move because he don't know which way to go. He don't know which way to go. There are a lot of decisions that Christians need to make. There's a lot of times that we need to say in our heart, I have decided to follow Jesus. God, I will follow You. God, I will cleave unto You. God, I will obey You. God, I will honor You. Because if we choose to sit in the middle of the road, if we choose to be a people pleaser, if we choose to to do whatever it takes not to have people look at us that way, if if we choose to to not make a a bad decision and, and in doing so not make a good decision, if we sit at the crossroads, the decision will be made for us. It will be made for us. Very few people in this life at 18 years old, did did any of you at 18 years old decide that you wanted to be miserable the rest of your life? Who wanted to be miserable the rest of their life at 18 years old? Nobody did. How many people today, adults, grown adults, are miserable? Drunks. Drug heads. Killers. Rapists. In prison. And at 18 years old, that wasn't their plan for their life. How many women today are are, are sitting in an abusive marriage when at 18 years old, that wasn't their plan? They didn't want to marry someone who was mean, who beat on them and whooped on them. 
That wasn't their plan. That wasn't the goal. That, that, that wasn't the that wasn't the plan. But whenever we get to a crossroads and someone asks you, are you going to follow Jesus? You don't have to say no to make the wrong decision. Whenever you're asked, are you going to obey God? You don't have to say no to make the wrong decision. You can sit there and you can say Skittles or M&M's. I know I need to. I know I should. I know I want to. I know I ought to, but I just can't decide. And you're going to sit there and you're never going to make a decision and the decision will be made for you. And rather than obeying God, you're going to choose the way of the world by not choosing nothing at all. And instead of choosing to follow Jesus, and it's a slippery slope. It's a very slippery slope. I want to tell you a story this morning that happened to a really good friend of mine. We were in school together. And he was a good kid. Went to church every Sunday. His parents went to church every Sunday. His daddy was a Sunday school teacher. His mama taught the kids uh, Wednesday night class. Good kid. Had everything you could ask for. Didn't want for nothing. Said he was a saved boy. But he didn't want to join the Bible club at school. He didn't meet for prayer at see you at the poll day. And he didn't ever want to be the one to lead in prayer at a club meeting. He didn't want people to know. He didn't want people to know that he was a Christian. He didn't want people to know that he followed God. And so around his senior year of high school, they were having a a watch party for a football game. And they said, hey, why don't you come on down here and watch the football game with us? He said, oh, no, I can't be involved in that. I don't drink. They said, oh, no, you don't have to drink. Just come down here and have a good time with us. Come down here. You can have a Diet Coke for all we care. Just come have a good time with us. So he went. He sat on the couch and he watched LSU beat Alabama. And he drank his Coke. And he went home that night. Nobody died. The world didn't fall apart. He got home and he enjoyed the afternoon with his friends. And so it happened every Saturday night. Until one night, LSU finally won. And whenever they did, everybody said, let's celebrate. So they made a toast. And one of the kids bumped him and said, you can't make a toast with a Diet Coke. Try this beer. Just one time. Try this beer. And so he did. He made a toast. and celebrated. Trying one beer. And then the next weekend it was two. The next weekend it was three. And then it was a 12-pack a weekend. And then it was a 24-pack a week. And it's a very, very, very slippery slope. And in 2017, we buried him. 2017, we buried him. Driving drunk. He met his Lord. And I pray that that profession of faith was real. He had no intention of dying drunk. He was a good Christian kid. He had no intention of leaving this world at 24 years old. No intention of it. But whenever he sat there, he never would tell him, yes, I'll drink. He never would tell him, no, I'll drink. But whenever he wouldn't make a decision, whenever he wouldn't stand for God, whenever he sat there at a crossroads and could not decide the decision was made for him. The drink was put in his hand. He turned it up. It happens in every circumstance, in almost every family. 
If we sit and we do not make a decision, the decision will be made for us. And look at Orpah. It said in verse number 14 that they lifted up their voice, that they wept again, and Orpah gave in to Naomi. Orpah did not make that decision herself in verse 11 and in verse 12. Naomi said, turn again, turn again. Go back home. Go back to your family. Go back to your gods. Go back to your prior life. There is not a saved person alive that desires to go back into sin. There are very few Christians that never experience backsliding. Very few Christians that never experience weak moments. You know what most of those stem from? They stem from an indecision. They stand from the inability for us to stand up and say, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to obey God. Joshua said, for me and my house, (coughs) right? He said, for me and my house, I heard a guy say a couple of weeks ago, and this was a conversation I overheard. He didn't know I was was listening. It was a guy down at the box plant. I was sitting there working on the cabinet cooler, and and they were talking about about God and, and, and men being the head of the household. And he and one of the guys said, he said, Well, if if God if God don't allow the man to be the head of the household, Satan will become the man of the head of the household. He said, if a man don't follow God and obey God and, and, and respect God and look for God and value God and, and, and read the Bible and go to church and be a Christian, be a follower of God, if the man is not the head of the household, Satan will be because of indecision. Because we don't decide to stand up for God. Because we don't say no. Because we allow a drink to be put in our hand. And it only takes one. It only takes one. Orpah's name is not mentioned in the Bible again. Whenever she had this decision made for her. Whenever she allowed Naomi to turn her Again, to go. She's never mentioned again. The name Orpah in a lot of the Old Testament names had meanings. The name Orpah means double-minded. That's what it means. It means double-minded. What does the Bible say about a double-minded person? James said he is unstable in all his ways. So whenever it comes to making a decision, they, they, they know they should, they know they ought to, they know they need to, they know they want to, but they just... Can't choose and offer waved her way right out of the Bible. But look here at Ruth. Look at Ruth. Verse number 14, they lifted up their voice again and wept, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. What does clave mean? I really like this word. Clave is one of the only words in the English language that is its own opposite. If you take a cleaver and you cleave meat, you're splitting it, right? But what, did, what, what does the Bible say about Ruth? It says she clave unto her mother. Have y'all ever washed your, your, your clothes without a bounce sheet in there? What happens when you get your clothes out of the dryer and you didn't put a bounce sheet in there? They stick to you, right? They stick to me anyway. Your clothes and static electricity will cause them to cleave to you. Whenever you hug someone, you cleave to them. And and the word cleave is its own opposite. It can mean to split up or to to hold together, to tie together. Here, Ruth clave from her previous gods. She clave away from the land of Moabite. 
and she clave to her mother-in-law. She came to her without being able to see the future. Without being able to know what's next. And you know, we would all make the right decisions if we knew what was coming down the line. Every single one of us. In coaching baseball as a 7th grader and playing baseball, my job was to sit on the bench and to figure out what the other team's pitch was going to be. And we was playing Salem High School out of Mississippi one day. And the coach, he was a new coach, and he sat on the bench. And as he was sitting on the bench, there was a wall about this high in front of the dugouts. And he would take a baseball bat in his hand. And if he stood that bat up vertical, it was going to be a fastball. And if he laid that bat down horizontally, it was going to be a curveball. And if he took that bat and he put it on his shoulder, that meant a pickoff was coming. That's the only three things that he did. And it didn't take us but about two innings and we figured it out. So then we commenced to telling the batters what the pitch was going to be. If we called out their name, it was going to, their first name, it was going to be a fastball. If we called out their last name, it was going to be a curveball. And if we called out their number, it was going to be a pickoff. You know, the game got a lot easier after that. It did. It got a lot easier. It's easy to hit a fastball when you know a fastball's coming. It's easy to hit a curveball or to lay off a curveball when you know a curveball's coming. It's easy not to get picked off when you know it's coming. The thing about Orpah and Ruth is they did not know what was coming next. They had no idea. It's easy to follow Jesus whenever we know what's coming. It's easy to follow Him whenever we can see it. But we can't. We can't. We can't see it. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. If we stand up in front of a crowd of people and say, I have decided to follow Jesus. If we get away from the friends that we hung out with because they were a bad influence and and they drank and they drug us down and you've heard the phrase about playing with dogs and get fleas. I believe that it is our responsibility to witness to them, but it is not our responsibility to stoop to that level. We are to try to get people out of the bar rooms, not to join them. We are to, 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 to try to win people on drugs to Jesus, but not get ourselves in that same situation. We don't know what's coming. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know what's going to happen to us if we say, God, your, my life is yours. God, I will obey you. God, I will live for you. God, I surrender all. We don't know what's coming. But God makes promises in His Word. He don't promise us that all things are going to be rosy. Matter of fact, He tells us that we will suffer persecution. That is coming. That is guaranteed. But He said that, that you will be protected, that you will be guided, that you will be comforted. And that ultimately we will rule and reign with Him. That at the end of the day, we will have victory. But this morning, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you may know that you should. You may know that you ought to. You know that you need to. You know that you even want to. But this morning, if you don't make a decision, you will die and go to hell. If you don't make a decision, you will die and go to hell. You may be here this morning and be saved. And never made a profession of faith. You know you should. You know you need to. You know you ought to. You know you want to, but you just can't get up in front of everybody. And there's something holding you back. If you sit there and you never make a decision, you can never be used of God if you don't surrender to Him. If you're here this morning and you're saved and never joined a church, 
If you're here this morning and God is calling you to serve, and you just have too much going on to get involved. You have too much going on. God is calling you in the, in the support of, of some, something that the church is doing or something that even another church is doing. Or God is calling you to support a certain missionary in a certain place or to help someone or to be a blessing to someone or to witness to someone or to testify or to invite somebody to church. If God is working in your life and you sit there and say, well, I just don't know this decision is going to be made for you. It's going to be made for you and you're not going to like the end of it because you're going to be left with a bucket full of M&Ms and Skittles mixed up that you don't want to eat. You're going to be left in a place that you don't want to be. The decision will be made for you and it's not going to be a good one. Turn to Numbers, chapter number 13. Book of Numbers, chapter number 13. While you're headed that direction, I want to tell you for those here who may not know what happened to Ruth after this particular book and it's found in Ruth chapter 2, 3. Ruth and Boaz, her husband that she met, they fell in love. They got married. They had a kid. Kid fell in love. Got married. Had eight kids. You know what the name of their eighth son was? Jesse. You know who David's daddy was? Jesse. You know who David's grandmother was? Ruth. Several times in the Bible, Ruth is referred to not as Ruth, but Ruth the Moabitess. Ruth is referred to as Ruth the Moabitess because they want to remind us where she came from. God brought His Son through this obedient young woman who made the decision to say, I have decided to follow Jesus. Numbers chapter number 13, verse number 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess this land that they have spied out. He said that we are able to overcome it. Now Moses had sent 12, 13 spies into the wilderness. And said, Go spy it out. God has given us this land. I want you to go find us a place to attack. And they came back and, and two of them in, Joshua and Caleb, said, let's go. Caleb said, let's go at once. Let's go right now. But the men that were with him, the other 10, 11 men, they said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. They didn't know who was fighting for them. They had not decided to follow Jesus. Verse 33, and they had saw there were giants, the son of Anak, which had come of the giants, which in our own sight is grasshoppers. So are we in their sight. Chapter number 14. The congregation lifted up their voice and cried and the people wept that night. They said, oh, we can't go. God said go at once. God said go now. God said make a decision. Don't sit around. Don't think about it. Don't wait. If God says go, go. Because these people went to sleep. I like to sleep on a lot of decisions. I really do. I'll put something in my Amazon cart and I'll sleep on it. The next day I'll realize how dumb I was to put it in there. <laughs> Right? But whenever, we, whenever we're led of God, whenever God says go and do, this is not a sleep on decision. When God says go, we're to go. And so Joshua and Caleb said, we need to go. Everybody else said, we can't go. So Moses said, we're going to sleep on it. The people said, let's sleep on it. Verse number 41 in chapter 13. 
And Moses said, Wherefore do you now transgress the commandment of the Lord? It shall not prosper. Go up. Go not up. For the Lord is not among you that you be smitten of your enemies for the Amalekites and the Canaanites that are before you. And ye shall fall by the sword because ye turned away from the Lord. But they presumed to go up to the top of the hill. Nevertheless, the ark of the covenant of the Lord departed out of the camp. And the Amalekites and the Canaanites which dwell in the hills smote them and disconfended them even unto Hormel. These people waited one night. They spent one night making no decision. And they tried to go the next day and it was too late. I don't know what God's put on your heart today. If He's leading you to serve, that opportunity may not still be there tomorrow. If He's leading you to salvation, that invitation may not be there tomorrow. But if we refuse to make a decision, the decision will be made for us. You know you need to. You know you ought to. You know you want to. You know you should. But if you don't, if you can't decide between M&M's or Skittles, you're not going to like the result. You're not going to like the result. God said today is a day of salvation. Ruth said, I will cleave unto you. Your God will be my God. Ruth said, I have decided to follow the God of Israel. I will not go back to my homeland. I will not go back to my friends. I will not turn again. But I will follow Jesus. This morning, will you follow Jesus? If you're here and unsaved this morning, the Bible says that whosoever should call upon His name, the name of Jesus Christ, there is no other name whereby men must be saved. This morning, if you'll call on His name, He'll save you. If you put it off and die and go to hell, that's on you. I'll feel awful for you. Your family will weep for you. But that's your decision. And if you make no decision, that's making the wrong decision. If God is leading you to, to, to witness to someone, if God is leading you to serve in the church or in the community, if God is leading you to be a blessing and you make no decision, you will suffer for that. You will pay for that. And it will not be pretty. Oh, I have a verse for song. I ask for verse of invitation.